Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Week two of the NFL, we saw a lot of kicker issues. Mike, before we get into anything else, you know, the Chiefs, they start strong. The Pats don't quite look like the Pats. The Browns are going to brown. We've got some baseball playoffs on the horizon. But why aren't we NFL kickers? I mean, we'd be in, in some pretty good shape right now with all the kicker woes last week. Kickers and referees have been the storyline of the early season so far. I I don't remember a season starting off this way. I mean, we've had ref issues for a few years now, right? We still can't figure out what a catch is. We still are defining this roughing the passer. And yeah, uh, kickers had a big time impact on the games, on the outcomes. We saw teams extend games because kicks were missed. We saw teams that could have sealed the deal, but the kicker missed it. They're choking under pressure. Uh, you got a lot of young kickers that are trying to prove themselves. You got kickers playing with injuries, supposedly, and coaching staffs not knowing about it. Just kind of weird, a lot of weird stuff this year with kickers so far. Man, it has been interesting. And uh, as we, a lot of us saw last week, the, the Browns, they looked like they were going to get their, vic- their first victory in quite some time. And then, unfortunately, they just seem, they seem you know, the good teams find a way to win, Mike, and the Browns seem like they just find a way to lose. Yeah, whether look, whether it's baseball, football, or basketball, you know, whether it's all 60 minutes or 48 minutes or, or nine innings, you know, winning over time is about doing all the little things right from the start of the game until the end of the game. And a lot of times we look towards what happens in the final minute or two or in the ninth inning, an error or a home run given up or you know, uh, a missed kick or whatever. But typically speaking, you could go back and look throughout the game and see a lot of mistakes that were made. Yep. You know, I, I always say like in football, if you're making less than four mistakes throughout the game, you're probably the winner. If you're in that five to eight range, it's probably going to be a really, really close game. And if you're making more than eight, eight or nine mistakes in the game, you're going to lose. And the teams that consistently average Four mistakes or less are the teams end up being 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 12 and 4. It's pretty simple. And the Browns, they just can't get it right. They're making mistakes, you know, uh, uh, motion penalties, a lot of bad holding penalties. So far, the best I could say is that their defense has really been stellar so far. Well, one man who hasn't made a whole lot of mistakes early on is you, Mike Abadir. You had a very good week last week. You've had a couple pretty good weeks so far. Um, in the head-to-head wagers that we've made, you are 2-0. and I think overall you are 3-1-1. One, and one. You had a 2-0 and week last week. And even more so, the the teams that you were high on to start the year. Now, we got to remember, we're just a couple weeks in. But your teams would rather, the teams that you like and the teams that you pick, you'd much rather have them 2-0 and than 0-2. and So big props to you. You've been high on the Dolphins so far. They're 2-0. and uh, Kansas City, who looks very good so far, they're 2-0. Your Jags team, who you liked from last year, they're 2-0. They come off a big win against the Pats. So, so far, so good. I got to give you some props where props are due, and you've had a, a really good start to the season. You know, it's really interesting when you're t- just 
talking about two and zero in general versus zero and two. You know, a lot of people equate it because it mathematically equates really well with like baseball. So like one game is is equivalent of in the NFL is equivalent of like ten in baseball. They say so if you're zero and two, you're zero and twenty. If you're two and zero, you're twenty and zero. Not quite the same thing, but it has that kind of impact in yeah. the standings. It's really crazy to see how many of these teams that are zero and two have like an eleven percent chance to even make the playoffs. And now you're looking at some matchups, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about those later. Where you know one of the teams you're talking about, the Dolphins that I have been high on, they get to face the Raiders, which obviously uh, you know I love. I love the Oakland Raiders. Want to see them do well before they go uh, to, to Las Vegas. Here they are staring at. If they go 0 and 3, they're done. Really crazy how you could be done in September in football. Just, you know, yeah, uh, so much hope. And then quickly in, in football, that, that's what's amazing is that this one game from week to week, that's why we overreact so much. How about this, Mike? La- cr- talk about the crazy overreactions from week one to week two. The underdogs in week two were 10 and five against the spread. So, as, you know, everybody kind of reacted to what we saw in week one. And then all the, all the underdogs came back and played well the, in, in week two. And so we got to be a little careful that we don't go – crazy one way or the next but we we have to remember that these games are important and it is uh it is going to be an interesting week three coming up we will be talking to two guests today on the show Uh, at the end of the show like we've had the first couple weeks we'll have monique the parlay queen from covers and abr live and she'll give us some of her plays for the week and then we will have Lindsay jones joining us from the athletic nfl any moment now so whenever uh we know that Lindsay's on we will bring her on and we'll talk some football with Lindsay. but mike um we start to get into the the previous week, and you know, as you mentioned, Miami Dolphins—they're two and zero. They play the Raiders. This is a game that I might take a look at this week because I think the the line that I'm seeing is the Raiders are plus three and a half. A couple interesting thoughts about this game: the Dolphins, who they've, you as you mentioned, mistakes, mistake free. That's what they've been able to do so far is not commit a ton of mistakes. And they've at least just committed less mistakes than the teams they played, Tennessee and then uh, the Jets. They Listen to this. They've started seven offensive possessions in their opponent's territory in two games. That's tied for first. Whereas the Raiders, zero. They've started zero possessions starting in their opponent's territory. That's amazing. Seven times they've been on the 50 or above. Zero times the Raiders have in two games so far. I mean, that swings your whole game. Could you imagine three more drives for the Raiders starting at the 50? And we got to look at the reason why that's happening. And for the Dolphins, it starts with their defense. They've been really, really rock solid defensively. Kiko Alonso has had a monster start to the season so far. He's got 19 tackles already. I mean, he's just been all over the place. And their addition from the Rams, Robert Quinn, has been really, really good. I, you know, plugging it up in the middle. Uh, I'm gonna know, get, I, I gave you the props at the beginning, but I'm going to make sure we slow the roll a little bit because we got to remember they've been the beneficiary of playing a Tennessee team when their starting quarterback got hurt. It's a little different when even when the – when the backup gets a week of preparation. So they played Gabbert having to come into the middle of the game. Delaney Walker got hurt. The offensive line got hurt. Gabbert did pretty well, by the way. No, no, Gabbert played very well last. And then they played Sam Darnold on a short week. So I'm still a little weary to get too high on the Dolphins and not necessarily think that it might have been who they've played so far. But again, they're not going to play a monster Raider team. Although, as a fan, you had to be happy with what you saw from Derek Carr. I didn't mean to interrupt you talking about the Dolphins, D, because I do agree with you in that they are improved, but I just think that 
they may have been the beneficiary of a little bit of game luck, a little bit of circumstance, a- along with that good defense so far. But you got to deal with the cards you dealt, right? 100%. I mean, you don't control the opponents. You got to play it week to week. But you, you handicap know. you handicap the game like you would a race to try to play the next one. You know. And yeah, so, pretty much. And you know, I was just gonna, you know, say their linebackers have been solid. They got some depth. Their DBs are really good. Minka Fitzpatrick has really provided a nice 100%. little spark in the, in the secondary. You know, and so yeah, they could come out of this three and zero. And if they do, you got to keep in mind they still got Buffalo twice. The New England game is not going to be in December in snowy Foxborough or Gillette. It's going to be early in the season uh, in Week Four. So. Um, one more Jets game, but that one's going to be at home because last week was at the Meadowlands, right? So they've got a pretty favorable setup for themselves to be able to go 9-7, and 10-6, and 11-5, you know, especially if you start off the year 3-0. and Then it becomes those things where even if you go 500, you're still, you know, the rest of the way, you're still, you know, a yeah. playoff team type thing. So uh, pretty big. On the Raiders' side, you know, they've been maybe one of the better first half of a game teams in the NFL so far. They played a really good first half against the Rams. They were superb against the Raiders, uh, against the Broncos in the first half. I think Carr had one incompletion only incredible. in the first half. That was he the was best really, game I've really seen really play. And their defense was really good too, but mistakes comes back down to mistakes. You know, they weren't turning over the ball, so the offensive mistakes, they had a few drives stall, and I think that's going to happen when you have somebody like a Marshawn Lynch who is, you know, just a hard pounding runner but if he gets stopped for you know a no gain on first down and puts the team in a position where they kind of have to throw to seal the game puts them in a difficult predicament on the road let's start to kind of weave through this uh this week's schedule a little bit the thursday night game so who's gonna get a win here um the jets play at cleveland i will say this is a pretty brutal schedule for sam darnold and the jets he opens up in a national tv game on monday night then he has a short week and then another short week <laughs> three just to start. That's not an easy season. So this this kid for a rookie, he hasn't even really had an actual week of preparation like a normal have a game on Sunday, prepare for another game on Sunday. No. And props to the coaching staff for, you know, really getting him ready as a as a first time starter, if you will. Yeah. And, yeah. and doing a pretty nice job. We've obviously seen some early game mistakes by him. And, uh, you know, that'll that'll improve over time and experience and things of that nature. But, yeah, schedule makers didn't do the Jets any favors so far this year. And I don't really know what to make of this game. It seems like Cleveland is on the verge of winning. You know, I'm not talking about point spread perspective because I know a lot of people are like, how can you have a team that's whatever they are, uh, 0-32-1 and or whatever, be a favorite in a game? I'm not betting on this them to different win. different personnel, though. Much different Yeah, personnel. different personnel. You know, betting aside, it's it's – I wouldn't say it's it's an intriguing game in terms of who to predict on the win end, but it's not an intriguing game as in like it's must watch TV or it's compelling or anything like that. You know, I, I don't really know where uh, where where to lean on this game. I would probably say Cleveland, just because they uh, they got to get a win now. If they don't get it now, when are they going to get it? This this is another one of those games where it's funny. It's like if the Jets win this game, they're two and one. You know, and it's like, and and then if Miami loses, they're two and one, and they're right there with Miami and the Patriots. They're right, yep. they're right, they're right at the top of the division. And then, as you say, like an injury or two, or something weird happens, 
and and then all of a sudden you're you're like sniffing 500 and you give a team a little bit of life. Cleveland could be the same thing. They'd be one one and one with the win here, which is a uh, which is so crazy. We're talking like soccer and uh, uh, soccer records and um, in here and in the NFL now with all these ties. What about so we start the, this slate on Sunday? But actually, I believe we have uh, our first guest ready and holding. Mike, why don't you introduce our first guest coming up? Yeah, you know, uh, all our listeners know we love. You know, all the guys and gals from The Athletic do a tremendous job, uh, The Athletic MLB, NFL, all the regionals. And uh, this is another newer edition, I believe, uh, came on board in August, and she's done a tremendous job. Must read material all the time, and I'm referring to Lindsay Jones from The Athletic NFL. Lindsay, good morning or good afternoon for you. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing really Great. well. Uh, are you, uh, you know... Looking forward to tonight's big game. That's what we were just talking about. Cleveland and the Jets. Compelling TV, huh? Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe on paper when this kind of matchup came out a couple months ago, you know, back in April, you'd kind of like shrug maybe about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is comp- – I mean, it's, at this point, the, Bel- the the Browns are so compelling because at some point they've got to win a game, right? I mean, and if it's not this week – you know, it's hard to hard to know exactly when it is. So, you know, I think they're compelling. I think Sam Darnold is compelling. And, you know, a lot of these Thursday games end up disappointing. It's just a lot of it's just an ugly brand of football usually that we see on these Thursday night games. But, look, I think every game in the NFL has some sort of compelling storyline. And, God, I just I, I think the Browns finally get a win tonight, right? It's, it's got to be tonight. Well, before we move on from this game, because there's a lot to talk about here, do you, at what point, let's say they do not win, at what point do they have to make a call to bring in their rookie quarterback? We've seen Darnold on the other side do pretty well. You know, uh, Baker was taken before Sam Darnold. So, you know, uh, at what point do you say, you know what, we got to bring this kid in and see what he's made of? Especially when you're looking at it from the perspective of Oklahoma's put up, you know, 1,000 yards of offense in the first two games. Is it more of a system or is it more the quarterback? Yeah, I mean, and I think what we, you know, it, it's it's going to be a really tough situation, I think, for Hugh Jackson, because I think at what point does he start feeling like his job is in jeopardy? And when he gets really desperate, um, maybe switching quarterbacks would buy him a little bit more time. Um, and I guess we got to see how they keep losing, too, um, if they do keep losing. Do they keep losing because they can't figure out their kicking situation? I mean, they were, I mean, they're basically a competent kicker right away, right now from being 2-0. and or at least one and one, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think it depends on the way that they're losing. Um, You know, if Tyra Taylor has some meltdowns, there's a lot of picks, then maybe you have to make the move, but it's, you know, they've been so adamant that they're not going to play Baker early. I don't know if that's the right call or not. I mean, and especially when now we're going to see Sam Darnold on the other side of the field this week, but you know, Hugh Jackson, I think, really mismanaged the quarterback situation last year by playing Deshaun Kaiser too early, trying to figure out how to split all of those quarterback reps up. And, you know, they're very, they're, they're saying that they're going to give Baker time to develop. But, but you're right. I mean, at some point, if you're, you know, if you're 0 and 4 or, you know, I guess 0 3 and 1 or, you know, 0 5 and 1, you know, at some point you just have to make a switch to the future. But um, when you've got a coaching staff that might not be actually coaching for the future, and they just have to win now to save their job. I, you know, I think that's kind of an added layer of complications to the situation. 
Well, and, and he, he probably owes something to the defense, right? Because a lot of times in football, we'll see that one unit kind of revolts against the other. If the defense is carrying the team and the offense isn't, you know, carrying their weight or vice versa, defense is playing pretty well for Cleveland so far. So they feel that they can win now. They feel they can compete for the division now. I'm sure of it in their locker room. You know, at some point in time, you know, um, the defense is going to be like, hey, we're doing what we're supposed to do. The offense needs to pick up the slack. If Taylor ain't going to do it, let's bring in the kid and see what happens. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I want to stick with the quarterback theme for a second. I saw a retweet of yours earlier regarding the roughing the passer penalties. What's your take so far on how the NFL and the referees are kind of handling things with respect to protecting the quarterback and and really taking away the defense's abilities to, to do what they've always done, which is hit hard and, and make an exciting brand of football and ultimately play defense? Yeah, I, I don't think they're handling it well. I mean, I think they've um, the intent of the rule is not lining up with the uh, application of the rule. I mean, I think they, you know, last, last spring when they kind of announced this rule, this summer when the officiating crews went from camp to camp to camp, met with the teams, met with reporters at every training camp, they made it pretty clear that this was a rule that was about not putting your entire body weight on the quarterback. It was trying to eliminate kind of that barrel roll, you know, where you drive a guy into the ground and then kind of roll over him as you, you know, kind of a little added insult to injury there. And that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing anything that even remotely looks like driving to the ground. I mean, that, that, that hit on Kirk, um, on, air, on Kirk Cousins last week, um, he was off the ground because he jumped to throw. And the officials looked at that and said, oh, there, he's being picked up and driven into the ground. When, you know, every replay angle of it shows that that was a very broad interpretation of, of that rule. And now they're using that as an explanation of what, what the rule is intended to do. And that's just not what we heard all spring. Yeah. I mean, and it's just making really, it's just making it really, really difficult for defensive guys because look, you can't hit them low. That protection has been in there for you know several years. Now you can't hit them high. Obviously nobody is advocating for quarterbacks or any player to be able to be hit high. But now if you can't even target the midsection, I just, I don't even know how you, you know, successfully, you know, can, can be a pass rusher. And, you know, Von Miller talked about it this week. I live out here in Denver and, you know, get to talk to him a decent amount. And, you know, he hasn't been tagged for it yet. I mean, he said his, his whole tactic is that you always go, if you're always trying to go for the strip, if you're always trying to go for the ball, then that kind of keeps your, you know, most of your body weight off the quarterbacks. But look, if you're always going for the ball too, then sometimes you might miss actually being able to wrap up a guy and take him down and, you know, actually finish off the sack. So, you know, it's, it's really tough. Um, and I, I, I think the league is going to need to take a hard look um, and maybe have some conference calls with their officials, change the wording, change something to walk this back a little bit. You know, I don't, I don't expect any sort of public walking it back. The NFL never does that. They almost never admit that a rule change that they've made has been a mistake, but they're going to need to figure out some way amongst their officials to call this in a way that's not so drastically affecting games. Lindsay, we see uh, a couple of surprise 2-0 teams so far, and the ones in particular that jump out to me are the Dolphins, who are 2-0, the Bengals, who are 2-0, <laughs> and then we see Tampa, who is 2-0. Of those three teams who have started the season very well, which do you think would have the best shot to make the playoffs, or which team do you think maybe has surprised you the most to start the season? Um, I mean, I, I think all three of those have been really surprising. You know, I think the the Bucks have been most surprising um, just because of what uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has done. And I'm writing about Ryan Fitzpatrick um, right now. It's going to be published in the morning because while he has had these good streaks, 
in his career. And he, you know, it is not surprising that he has come in replacing a starter for whatever reason and been able to play well. The fact that he's thrown eight touchdowns, one interception, you know, more than 400 yards a game, that the deep ball is, you know, so effective. I think Deshaun Jackson's averaging more than 30 yards of reception right now. I mean, that's just unheard of for him. That's just not what his game has been. So the fact that they, you know, that Ryan Fitzpatrick and their offense is so explosive um, and that they, you know, did that by beating the Saints and the Eagles, you know, obviously two playoff teams and the Super Bowl champion from last year is, is very notable. Um, you know, I don't know how long that's sustainable. History shows that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to regress at some point, that he probably has a three or four interception game in him. Um, it happened week three of the 2016 season with the Jets where he had his, like, kind of really big, you know, I think he had a six interception game that week. So, you know, history shows us that he's not going to be able to keep up this sort of pace. Um, but, you know, they've got some of the best skill position guys there with Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson being really healthy and engaged. Um, they've got good tight ends there. Their offensive line is playing well. You know, so they've got, they've got some pieces in place there. Um, but of those three, I would say the Bengals look to be the team that um, – I think should could be able to sustain this the longest. I mean, part of it, I think, is that the rest of the AFC North looks really shaky um, and that there's no dominant team in that division right now. I mean, the Steelers are a mess. So much drama going on there. You know, I think the Ravens are just very inconsistent. And, you know, we've already talked about the Browns and who they are. So, you know, I think from that standpoint, the Bengals are in a good position. Um, and then they're just, they're very, very balanced. I mean, they've got a good quarterback. He might not be a great quarterback, Andy Dalton, but he's a good quarterback. They've got one of the best receivers in the NFL. They've got a competent running game. Yeah, I think they're going to miss Joe Mixon for a couple weeks here. Um, and then they've got a really sneaky good defense. I mean, the front seven of that defense is really, really good. Um, I think Geno Atkins is finally starting to get some, some of the appreciation that he deserves that maybe kind of playing in the market that he plays in, the position that he plays, he maybe hasn't gotten in the past. But, you know, that Geno Atkins... Um, that front is just really good. So I think there's just a lot to like about the Bengals. And um, I guess they're the team that I'd rise with at this point from those surprising 2-0 teams. Man, you know, you know that team well. It sounds like you're the beat writer for the Bengals and, uh, and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and not the Broncos or the NFL in general. But, hey, Lindsay, before you get back to the Fitz Magic article, could we ask you to hang with us for a couple minutes while we take a commercial break and – want to ask you some questions about the Steelers drama that you referred to. You got a few moments to stick with us? Yeah, for sure. Yep, for sure. Outstanding. Okay. Thanks for listening. Please stay with us. We'll be right back in two minutes with Lindsey Jones from The Athletic. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. 
Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Oh, we are back here on the Mike Abadir Show. Very happy to have Lindsey Jones from the Athletic NFL with us talking everything NFL. And, Lindsey, Mike was kind of mentioning this to you um, during the break, but we wanted to ask a little bit about the Steelers and and a team that we always kind of project and predict to be um, vying for a Super Bowl. They've had a pretty dramatic start to the season. I mean, this is as good of a soap opera so far as we possibly have in the NFL with the Le'Veon Bell, now the Antonio Brown stuff. Um, what's the, what's going on over there in Pittsburgh? And, and let's, by the way, before you answer that, let's not forget about Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump somehow being inserted into this equation. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I've mi- I, I missed how, they are, how they're in the Steelers equation now. Oh, well, so apparently, okay, so you got to check this out. So apparently Stormy Daniels came out with this tell-all book a few days ago, and she was talking about an incident where Ben Roethlisberger apparently was like totally after her and came by her (laughs) hotel room and is knocking and being persistent, Ben, and yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. I don't think anything entirely, you know, there was nothing criminal that happened, let's just say inappropriate, yes. Um, you know, that's if you believe her version of the story, of course, but nonetheless, it is a soap opera over there. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a mess. And and this isn't entirely new. I mean, I remember last year, I think it was a little bit later in the year, but it was at some point during the year where there was a lot of drama going on there, too. It was all, you know, a lot of it was Martavis Bryant related. Um, he was demanding a trade and he was coming back off of, off of his suspensions. And, you know, there's they, this happens there. They kind of go in these cycles where there's a lot of drama and it's almost always tied to when they're not winning. And they, you know, they've had rough stretches in the past. I mean, they, you know, last year when they lost um, in season to the Jags, you know, they, I think this was about the time that there was a lot of drama happening. So this isn't entirely uncommon, uh, but Antonio Brown talked to reporters today. Um, it was, it sounded like it was fairly contentious and that he said, you know, you guys are, kind of ascribing feelings to me. You guys don't know me at all. I'm just really unhappy. I think he said, we're losing. We suck. Um, So, yeah, obviously he's unhappy with losing, and I think he's frustrated with the way that the offense is playing. He took that out on um, their new offensive coordinator, Randy Fitchner, on the sidelines. He took it out on Twitter when a former team employee kind of called him out. 
Uh, and he just kind of ad- he admitted that he needs to not lash out on social media because that leads all of us to wonder what's going on there. And it, it, it makes it look like a circus. Um, it, it does become a distraction because all the other teammates are having to talk about it. Mike Talman's having to talk about it. Um, so, you know, I think winning is the easiest fix there, right? But I think what we've seen over the last two weeks is that they do have some significant questions um, offensively and defensively going on there, you know. And, and the Le'Veon Bell drama, as long as this keeps going on, I, I, it's, it's going to be messy. There's going to be questions about him. They're going to miss him. The longer he's away, the harder is, it is going to going to be for him to come back and ingratiate himself back into that locker room when they've really kind of rallied behind James Conner. I mean, there's just a lot of drama going on right there, going on there right now, and they need to be careful that they don't fall too far behind the Bengals because the Bengals keep winning. I mean, it's going to be really hard for them to get back into this AFC North race. You know, I want to stick with the theme of drama for a quick moment here and ask you about the Oakland Raiders. And there's so many different directions that we can go with this. But I want to start with the Mac trade, and I want to just propose a theory. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the Herschel Walker trade. Jimmy Johnson yeah. came in, new coach, wanted to, you know, just reboot the team, start from scratch, overhaul, bring in a bunch of draft picks. Ended up being one of the most lopsided trades in NFL history. At the time it happened, they were trading away one of the best running backs in the league, Herschel Walker. You know, one of the pioneer, him and Roger Craig, pioneers of running backs being able to run, rush, and receive, have a lot of reception, yardage, so on and so forth. It was crazy. You're trading away your best player on a bad team? What are you doing? To me, it sounds eerily reminiscent of, of this situation here where the Raiders are getting a bunch of draft picks back, high draft picks back for Mac. What's your opinion of it in terms of the impact of the trade now, and could it turn out to be a really good trade for the Raiders down the road? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, and I, I did write about this a couple weeks ago when the trade went down. I went back and I looked at the Herschel Walker trade um, and some of these other trades that have had, you know, where you're trading for multiple first-round picks, you know, like the uh, the Jay Cutler trade with the Broncos a couple years ago where they, um, they, they gave up two first-round picks to get Jay Cutler. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Jay Gruden is banking on him being Jimmy Johnson. I mean, Jimmy Johnson killed that trade. I mean, it was, I mean, I think it ended up involving something like 18 players total because of so many draft picks and, and actual, um, there were players involved in the trade directly. So, you know, and they ended up getting, I believe they got Emmett Smith out of that trade. They got um, Darren Woodson, I believe, out of that trade. I mean, they got a lot of key players that were part of those three Super Bowl runs that they went on. So, yeah, I mean, the Raiders have to look at this, you know, and by Raiders, I mean John Gruden and Reggie McKenzie, if he is here long-term enough to kind of help rebuild this team. They have, you know, they're obviously taking a very long-term approach at this, to saying, you know, we're go- look at all the assets that we're getting back from this. We have a lot of, ch- we have a chance to get multiple, you know, first-round picks, impact players. Um, the problem with that is that it's hard to sell that as like this is a team that's rebuilding and building towards the future to your current locker room that is the oldest locker room. It's the oldest roster in the NFL. You have a lot of guys that are on one-year deals or guys that don't have any guaranteed money beyond 2018. So the contract might run beyond this year, but there's no guarantee that they're going to be around for this rebuilding process. I mean, the only guys that you can really look at and say, okay, we're de- they're definitely going to be here as this kind of these young guys come in, whatever these draft pick, whoever these draft picks end up being, you know, it's, you know, it's Derek Carr and Amari Cooper. 
I mean, it's hard to see too many other guys. And, and I guess they're, they're new, you know, Colton Miller, their right tackle that they drafted, or left, new left tackle, excuse me, that they drafted this year. But, but you know, I mean, they signed Derek Johnson this year. They brought in Jordy Nelson. I mean, these are guys who are at the tail end of their career. So how do you sell that to them, saying we're building towards the future, but that future probably doesn't involve you? So that's, I think, the tricky situation that the Raiders are, and that John Gruden is going to have to deal with now, where if you keep losing because you don't have a pass rush and you traded away a guy who could have helped you immediately, um, it's, that's, I think that's the really tough thing that they're going to have to deal with. Lindsay, out here in Los Angeles, we're finally starting to get a little Rams buzz. It took a while when they moved out here uh, to get a little buzz, but when you put a good team and maybe even a great team on the field, people are going to start to show up. I look up and down the league, and I see kind of a weak AFC where I don't see a ton of top-heavy teams. The NFC we all thought was going to be really strong. It's pretty competitive. Uh, to me right now, the Rams look like the best team in the league. Uh, should I be scared of anyone else? Yeah, I mean, I think roster-wise, you know, the Rams definitely look – I, I think right now they're the best team in the league. I mean, they were the number one team in our power rankings. Um, they split votes. The Jags also got a decent number of first-place votes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they clearly went out and built for this year. I mean, it's kind of the opposite of what we were just talking about the Raiders, where the Rams said, we've got a young quarterback. We don't have to pay him a lot of money yet. We're going to re-sign our stars. We're going to bring in new stars and make a run for 2019 or 2018 right now. And so far that's working. I mean, I think that, you know, we'll, we'll be a little cautious long-term because, you know, like look, the, the best team doesn't always win the Super Bowl, And certainly the best team in September doesn't always end up being the best team in January and then February. Um, but, you know, their, their roster is just stacked. It's hard to pick out an exact weakness on that roster. Um, you know, maybe inside linebackers, maybe kind of their big, their biggest question there. But yeah, I mean, they're they're stacked top to bottom. I mean, they've they've no question at quarterback, no question at wide receiver, obviously no question at running back. Their front seven is as good as anybody in football. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's really exciting. I'm really curious to see that game on Sunday at the Coliseum where they play the Chargers, just to kind of see what the dynamic of that crowd at the Coliseum is like. Um, you know, how many Chargers fans show up. Um, do Rams fans show up and book? Is it kind of that mixed bag of, you know, get people in Chiefs fans and Raiders jerseys and Patriots jerseys showing up to watch the NFL Sunday in LA? I'm very curious to kind of see the dynamic of that game because it's only going to be once every four years that these two teams actually play each other. You know, and before we let you go, Lindsay, I wanted to ask you a, a sports question not related to the NFL. You know, we're, for the most part, we do a really good job of just focusing on sports, giving listeners an outlet to, you know, get away from politics and heavy social issues and things of that nature. But every once in a while, there's there's a sports-related story that's important enough that uh, we should, you know, bring it to light and, and at least uh, give an opinion on it. I'm referring to the Mark Cuban situation. I find it very, very interesting, especially when you look at how owners have been treated by the media and by the fans and fan perception over the last few years between, you know, ranging from the comments that Donald Sterling made, the former owner of the Clippers several years ago to Jerry Richardson, who was directly involved with some of the uh, sexual harassment allegations in Carolina to this situation here where allegedly Mark Cuban has, you know, an organization that's been involved at some level in terms of their personnel and front office uh, high level personnel with sexual harassment charges or allegations over the last 20 years and there's no fine 
Uh, there's just a uh, you know donation of a you know hefty sum, ten million, to uh, several different causes. What's your personal opinion about that, and and how they've been able to manage it from a PR perspective? They being the Dallas Mavericks and the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody who's interested in journalism and in the story needs to go back and watch Rachel Nichols' interview um, of Mark Cuban yesterday on the Jump on ESPN. Um, I mean, it was a she. It was a classic example of the way to ask the hard questions and not just the hard questions, but the hard follow-ups. I mean, it was journalism 101. It was amazing and something that everybody interested in this topic and interested in journalism should listen to. Um, you know, but I guess my own personal feeling on it is that, I mean, this is, this is not just the NBA. This is not just the NFL. I mean, we're seeing this at every level of our society where, um, you know, whether it's law firms or, Supreme Court right now, you know, the highest court in the, in the lands where, you know, there's questions about um, the way that men in privileged roles are kind of enabled and protected. And the assumption is almost always to not believe the accuser, but to defend the man who's accused of any range of crimes from sexual harassment to sexual assault to domestic violence. Um, and that's, I mean, I think that's what, you know, as a woman who works in a male dominated field, I think that's what's, you know, can be very frustrating to me is that, you know, this is, this is the way that our country and our society has so long treated these sorts of things where our initial reaction is not to believe the woman or believe the women in these cases. It's to find a way to protect and excuse the accused. And I think that's what happened in this the situation where it was always making excuses for the guys who worked in this organization, whatever that they had maybe accused of, of writing it off as, you know, it's just a boys club or that, you know, boys will be boys or, you know, it's what happens in their private lives where there's a lot more at stake for the women that are just trying to do their jobs and live their lives. So um, I, it's a pretty broad topic. I've got a lot of personal feelings about it, obviously, but um, yeah, but I, I, I hope everybody goes and watch Rachel Nichols interview. That's my other takeaway from this. Great stuff, Lindsay. We definitely appreciate you coming on, taking some time while you're in the midst of uh, writing an article, which I recommend that everybody check out Lindsay Jones's work. Why don't you give us your plugs and where we could follow you, where we could find your work, etc.? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I write for The Athletic, which is theathletic.com. Um, hopefully you subscribe already. If you don't subscribe, we've got great subscription deals all you know going on all the time where it's uh, basically less than a cup of coffee a month that you would buy at Starbucks, um, you know, three fifty or $4 a month, that sort of cost for all of our coverage, Major League Baseball, NFL, college sports, um, all 32 NFL teams. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at by Lindsay H. Jones, which is just my byline, by Lindsay H. Jones. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you for joining us, Lindsay. Awesome. We hope Thanks, we can reach yeah, we hope we could reach out to you maybe in the middle of the season and, and get some of your opinions on uh, the major issues going on at that time. Yeah, for sure. Outstanding. Thank you, Lindsay, so much. You know, Gino, we covered a, a lot there. Uh, I know. Let's, we, we got a break coming up in like two or three minutes, and Monique's going to join us after. Let's get just like two minutes in of some baseball thoughts. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I wanted, I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to hear your uh, thoughts on, on the I Dodgers' have, recent I mean, I have to. solid play, right? Yeah, man, it was a huge. They've been very good um, after struggling early in the year. They've been very good about winning these key series. They did it against Arizona, against St. Louis, when they were able to kind of usurp St. Louis for the wild card, and now they did it again with Colorado. Colorado came in uh, this week at Dodger Stadium, up a half a game on the Dodgers. The Dodgers swept them. They won three. 
They got good outings from Kershaw and Bueller um, it, to close things out. The Dodgers now are starting to figure out their bullpen, and they're starting to look like this deep team that we thought if the season ended right now, they'd actually have home field advantage in the first round against the Braves. So even after all those struggles right now, they're in great shape, but they can't get comfy, Mike. They've done this three or four times so far in the year where they win the big series, and then they get flat, and they lose to the Reds or the Mets or someone like that. So they just cannot let that happen with the next you know week and a half still remaining. So let's let's assume that they that they win the division and, and, and get to the playoffs. Who concerns you the most in terms of, of matchups? I'll tell you mine. I'm kind of thinking that the Cubs and the Brewers would be the two teams I'd least want to face yeah. out of all the contenders remaining. And the Brewers, maybe, they don't necessarily have like an ace, but it seems like they have so many mashers and they're, they're pretty bad. deep offensively. You know, they got some team speed. They got some good pinch runners. And that type of stuff matters when you get to the playoffs. Got a guy like Hayter who you can use as a real weapon anywhere. He, their bullpen is excellent. And Je- uh, Jeffries has been very good since he's been moved into the closer role. So their pen, you know, you might be able to get three and a half or four innings out of those two guys right there. And they could really shorten the game up. Um, I think, honestly, to me, it's still the Cubs, especially if Hamels is continuing to pitch well. Their lineup is pretty deep. They've kind of gone into a little bit of a lull as of late. But National League-wise, when I look at the other teams, I still think the Brewers might be about a year away. I'm not sure if their starting pitching is quite good enough. And the same with the Braves. They're a solid team, but their pitching doesn't really scare me enough. The Cubs at least have a couple guys that I think could be difficult on the Dodgers lineup. So uh, they're the team that scares me the most. But, man, it's been amazing. Just two weeks ago, I think the Dodgers were down um, at one point three and a half games, and now we're back up two and a half and uh, – Feeling a lot better here in L.A., but we just cannot get comfortable. Yeah, we'll see if they could seal the deal. Uh, I, I tend to think that they will. I think experience kind of will 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 show itself and manifest itself. You know, I know yeah. that Nor- Nolan yeah. Arenado was, was saying, you know, between the Giants winning World Series titles and the Dodgers taking the last five divisions, you know, I'm a little bit envious. And uh, he's done everything in his power to, to will this Rockies team. I just think they're sh- they fall short in terms of overall pitching, you know, yeah. to be able to, to, to get to the finish line. They've overachieved, I mean, even just to be here. Remember, this Dodger team was supposed to be, it was heavily favored again. And they had to make a lot of moves throughout the year and make a lot of tw- uh, changes and a lot of tweaks just to get to where they are right now. So Yeah, um, and if it, if it was supposed to be neck and neck with anybody, it was supposed to be the Diamondbacks. Yeah, all the way, who've, who've faltered late. I thought the, the Rockies have been very impressive with some of their young arms. They've really held up uh, very well throughout the length of the year. So glad we were able to just squeeze in a couple minutes. Had to talk a few minutes about the Dodgers, who uh, finally... We're able to make some noise and play well, and we'll do our best. we got to see if we can get our buddy uh, Jerry Harrison to come on again and talk some playoffs with us uh, over the next few weeks, or hopefully playoffs. We don't want to get quite ahead of ourselves yet, Mike. But uh, you had a good week last week in the NFL. Uh, Monique also had another good week. Monique went 3-2 and with her five plays, so another winning week from Monique. And I think after we take a quick break, we will bring in the parlay queen from Covers and ABR Live, and we will talk some week three NFL line. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. Beat the crowds and fill that freezer early by tuning into The Revolution with Jim and Trev. We're discussing Deer Week and handing out season tips to make your 2018 deer hunts more successful. Joining us is Lee and Tiffany Lakoski of Crush with Lee and Tiffany, Mark Drury from Bow Madness and Drury's 13, and Jill Gector with Cinch Jeans. Jim and Trav's Deer Craze is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment of the Mike Abadir Show during NFL season. You know what that means. That means it's time for the Parlay Queen, Monique from Covers, joining us again. And uh, it's been a nice start to the season for Monique. Three and one in week one, three and two in week two. Just uh, three plays for Monique this week, but she continues on the winning trend. Monique, you had a, a nice week two with us here. How was it for you overall? It was pretty good. Uh, the Monday night game, not so great, but, uh, you know, one of those. And even the Sunday nighter, I mean, I know they schedule them long in advance, and there were a couple things about it which potentially could have made it a marquee game, but that was that was a snooze fest. So it was okay. The afternoon games went way better than the evening ones. Well, let's jump right into this week with uh, three of your plays. You will start, and you're going to give uh, a look to a team that started the season 0-2, but they're, uh, they're going to be heavily favored against... I think one of the worst teams in the league, it looks like right now. Yeah, I'm liking the Texans. I'm seeing minus six, and it looks like it can be a really long day for the Giants' O-line, who have just been struggling in general to protect the quarterback and just allow for Saquon to do what he does best. I think the Texans finally return home. They've had two tricky road games. They were closely contested ones as well, which could have gone either way. So I think they definitely take care of business, and I think their offense finally starts to click. You know their defense is going to be great, and they can obviously help them with good field position, but I think it's about time we start seeing that Deshaun Watson we were used to and their offense starts putting up some points. 
and a team that we've been a little surprised at so far being 2-0. and And I think this is a good uh, a good play this week. I think a lot of people will probably see this team and think, okay, no Joe Mixon. Who <laughs> you had a you had some good success with Joe Mixon last week, and uh, <laughs> so you'll try to piggyback and you'll try to steal some more money from the Bengals, and the Bengals are plus three, right? That's true, and he did come back after being listed as questionable. Come back and help me cash a ticket. So yeah. all the love in the world for him. <laughs> I knew that he was wasn't. Great. I knew. I knew he wasn't. He didn't look very good coming back. So I'm not surprised to see him on the injury report. But I've been very impressed with the Bengals this year, and obviously their standout win would be versus the Ravens. And the last time these two teams met, Bengals Panthers. It was a really high-scoring affair. It was 2014, granted, but it was 37-37. It's one of those that ended in a tie. So this is a much-improved Bengals team from there. And although we just touched on Mixon not being playing, they added Thomas Rawls, who was really good in his rookie season in Seattle. So I think him alongside Gio Bernard could bring some success offensively. And obviously their defense is going to keep it close. So I love taking the points with them. And, you know, those are two teams that play each other pretty close. So I'll take the three and hope that they win by maybe a point or a last-second field goal. Monique, teams that are 0-2 at this point in the year, Gino and I were talking about it earlier, you're almost like 0-20 in baseball terms. So teams that are 0-2 are really, really fighting for their lives. I mean, they don't win this week. They're toast. I'm going to take an 0-2 team, and this is going to be my pick, Gino, is the Seahawks to easily cover the spread against the Cowboys. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, paused, I paused for effect there. See, there easily. you go. Uh, the other team that's 0-2 that's fighting for their lives at home is the Lions. What, what are your thoughts on the Lions trying to save their lives against the Patriots? I don't think it looks good for them. I mean, the Patriots have not lost back-to-back games since the end of the 2015 season, so it's another one of those where uh, New England, here's an interesting stat, so New England has followed eight of their last ten losses with a victory of at least nine points. So this year's New England Patriots team will be getting a little bit closer of a spread, whereas last year, if this game were were to be played, we'd be seeing at least a two-score game. But I like the six-and-a-half, and I think it's a nod to the Patriots just kind of needing this one. And as we know, Stafford and the Lions have been notorious for struggling in primetime games. So I haven't really seen anything I like out of the Lions this year, and I think think the Pats at a a six-and-a-half... Spread is a lot shorter than I expected, and I think they can definitely get it done by at least a touchdown. Hey, before we leave that game, I got a question for both of you guys because I don't really follow the over unders, but I don't really remember ever seeing a week where there are four over unders that are this high, starting from this Pats Lions game, uh, 53 and a half, 54. Monday night, Steelers and Bucks are at 54. On Sunday, the Chiefs and the Niners at 50, what is it, 56, 55 and a half, 56, depending on where, and the Saints and the Falcons at 53 and a half. Is that common to find four over-unders that are in the uh, mid-50s? That's high. Those are, yeah. those are high. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, no, you're right. That's a, good, that's a good point. It's just they're getting burned. So now this is one of those weeks, as Monique was saying, the lines are they're a little different this week. They really are. They, it's like they made some – some adjustments or I think the way that Vegas has kind of power ranked some of the teams has definitely changed a little bit because there is there are some some interesting lines and they're just not going to get beat I think with those over-unders because we've seen some really bad defenses so far early on in the season which is kind of surprising because normally the defenses 
are strong early. It takes a little while longer for some of the offenses to work out. But it, um, we have seen some teams putting some points on the board, no doubt about it. So, Monique, uh, your three plays this week, the Texans minus the six, the Bengals plus the three, and the Pats minus six and a half. That's right. And like you guys are saying about the over-unders being really high, I think a lot of them are because, like we were saying earlier, you can't you can't afford to start out 0-3. I don't know what the percentage is, but you're more likely than not not making the playoffs starting out 0-3, so you've got to win. And for one of those, like the Patriots-Lions, I mean, the Lions look terrible offensively, defensively, and you also have Belichick and Matt Patricia meeting. So it could potentially make room for fireworks. And, yeah, the offenses have been definitely the stars of the NFL this year. So who knows what to say going on later in the season. But these are must-win games for these teams, especially the good ones, which, I mean, like the Steelers are expected to be good, same with Pats. And I think there's no surprise that those are the high over-unders because these are must-win games for those teams. Yeah, I've also got a theory, guys, uh, before we let you go, Monique. Uh, They're factoring in... A lot of chaos from the quarterback position. Who are well, the penalties too. That you know that penalties. The- but we've had a, we, look how many pick six. Like okay, Garoppolo, he may be a lock for a pick six you know, every other week. Darnold, Stafford, Sammy. same way. Darnold, same way. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, that's got to be factored into the equation somehow. And, and I think some of like with the the rule changes too. They, it's every time every you're so soft on the quarterbacks, the, the personal fouls. There's an extra fifteen. You know, how many times throughout the game where Great there's a ticky-tack call and you add on 15 yards to a drive. So, um, yeah, lots of things changing in this NFL. But one thing that hasn't changed, Mike, that Monique keeps winning. Monique just keeps winning each and every week. She did it last year, and she'll try to do it again this week. Monique, you've had a great start to the season. We really appreciate you coming on, and we'd love to have you on each and every week for the uh, this final segment because I know a lot of our guests look forward to hearing uh, your selections. Thank you guys so much, and maybe you guys have been my good luck charm because you know what? Starting off the season with three, well, two winning weeks in a row, I'll, I'll take that any year. So, awesome! awesome. Thanks, Thanks for Monique. bringing it, Monique. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Good luck. Great stuff. From she always, she always delivers, man. Yeah, always. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna have. There are six games I'm looking at. There's four that I like, and there's two that I'm gonna wait and see if the spread floats up a little bit. Because okay. I don't I don't like the number. So I like one of the games that Monique likes. I'm going to go with the Pats. I think they're just going to crush Detroit. I, I think they're going to win this game by two scores. So I, I think this is going to be Belichick not trying to let his future uh, his future student, which is funny. We have just about three or four minutes till the break. I, ever since I heard Mike Lombardi, who you know a little bit, Mike Lombardi, talk about Matt Patricia, he puts the pencil behind his ear and he's got a laminated play sheet. <laughs> what is he using the pencil for? The play sheet is laminated. He can't make it. He can't write on there. The pencil behind his ear is just for luck. I, I that bothers me now, um, dude. I think it's funny that people even use pencils. To, I haven't. I, I don't own a pencil. I haven't no, used a pencil used since pencil? like since like math high school class. math math class. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's great. So I'll I'll be with the I'll go with Monique with the Pats, and I'm gonna go with you. So the Pats are minus six and a half on the road. I'm going to go with you on the Seattle game because I, I agree. I, I still don't think Dallas is that good, you know, and I'm, I'm surprised you took this game because you kind of like Dallas to start. But, I do like Dallas, but I, they're and, not. And I think overall they're going to find a way to right the ship. But Pete Carroll at home, 12th man, Russell Wilson, 
Yeah. I think this is going to be a game where you're going to see them really, really put it together and maybe win like 30 to 20 or something like that. And I even think some of the Dallas analysis has to do with the fact that we aren't really high on anyone else in their in their division. You know, we don't think True. that's a that's a really strong division. So Dallas could be like an eight and eight, nine and seven team, and still be right in that playoff mix. Exactly. Um, right. Those are my first two. Um, how about another one that you'll like, Mike? The Raiders plus three and a half going to Miami. I like what I've seen from the Raiders so far. They played against a couple tough defenses. I think the Raiders might be a better team than Miami, and they're getting three and a half points on the road. So um, I'll go with the Raiders there. Um, Arizona, who has looked horrible. They look like one of the worst teams in the NFL, but this is strictly a points play. This really doesn't have anything to do with liking the teams. This is just looking at the line. Arizona is a five and a half point um, underdog at home. Now we're going to see Chicago travel on the road. They're going to they're going to have to win by six with Trubinsky. I think Chicago probably wins that game, but I think it's closer. And I expect to see a lot of David Johnson. I think they're going to split him out and they're going to really try to force feed him the ball and get him in the mix. We only have about a minute left. Um, so for me, the Pats, the Raiders, Seattle, and Arizona, the two games that I'm keeping an eye on, if they float to seven, I will bet them. Tennessee on the road against Jacksonville. If they can get up to, to plus seven, I'll take that game because I think this might be a trap game for Jacksonville after the monster Pats game. And the same thing with the, uh, the 49ers on the road at KC. They're plus six and a half. If that gets up to seven, I also think that could be a closer game than possible because everybody's so high on KC right now. They're so hot on them. I think they might be a little bit, uh, they might have a little downer of a game this week. Yeah, vulnerable defense as well. I think uh, they, they have some some weak points there that you could attack. You know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what uh, Garoppolo can uh, bring to the table here. You know, he almost gave away the game last week, so they're fortunate to be one and one. Yep. Um, you know, we'll see what kind of effort they produce this week. Awesome, Mike. Another great show. We are very, very lucky to have Two great guests on today. Thank you to Lindsay. Thank you to Monique. We'll send the show link out when it is up, and we will talk to everybody next week. Have a tremendous sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.